0: Hallelujah, you may be seated, amen. Uh, The message today, uh, I'm entitling it, uh, The Test of Character, The Test of Character, and I want to uh, explore three ways that a man's character can be tested, And, and they are adversity, temptation, and power. The Bible says in the book of, um, of Psalms about Joseph, he sent a man before them, even Joseph, who was sold for a servant, whose feet they hurt with fetters. He was laid in iron until the time his word came. The word of the Lord tried him. That's Psalms 105. Until the time his word came. The word of the Lord tried him. We know the story of Joseph. Joseph had an undeniable gift. Joseph could see things. Joseph could interpret the times that he lived in. He could see far beyond his years. And not only was he a great visionary or a great seer, but Joseph was one of the most handsome men on the face of the earth. And you know how it is saints when uh, there are people that are just extraordinary. They've got the looks. They've got the gift. They've got the charisma. They've got everything. And they are your friends. And it's like all the attention is given to them. With these brothers, he became the, the source of their indignation. And can you believe it? His own blood brothers tried to kill him. And one of the brothers, the eldest one, Reuben, had to convince them not to kill Joseph. Only because they could now see the plan of God upon Joseph's life. And you know the story how Joseph ended in a pit and was sold to uh, slave traders. He ended up in Egypt in the house of Potiphar. And Potiphar's wife tried to tempt him because he was just, you know, beautiful, beyond description, or handsome. And uh, falsely accused, ended up in prison, thought to himself, why did God show me all of this? And I had to go through all of these things. God showed me that my parents would bow before me. That's so powerful when I thought about it last night. How the Bible keeps speaking about Abram, Isaac, and Jacob, the patriarchs of the faith. But even Jacob bowed down before Joseph, isn't it? It shows you how great this man was. But Joseph had his own share of adversity. He had his own share of misfortune and calamity, distress. Uh, What about David? We remember David, and someone spoke about him this morning. David was anointed as king when he was just 15 years old. 15 years old. How old are you now, boys? Turning 15. You are ready to be a king in your own sphere. But he had to wait for another 15 years to ascend to the throne. The people of his own household persecuted him. How many of you go through such times, such things, where the people of your own home persecute you? Your own flesh and blood, brothers and sisters, don't want to see you succeed. The people that, you, that stays around you, your neighbors, your friends, everyone has got this great jealousy and envy. They don't want to see you succeed. They smile in front of you, but as soon as you turn your back, they put a dagger in your back. People are just jealous. People are just envious, and people do not want to see you succeed. But Joseph and David and many of the other heroes of the faith in the Bible speaks to us in a way that is so profound, and they are telling us that it does not matter how long it takes. That God will come and surely perfect that which he has shown you. You only need to be determined saints of the Lord. You only need to know that your trial, your adversity won't last forever. But that there is an end to your trouble. There is an end to your distress. There is an end to the hurts that you are going through. And that God will surely perfect that which he has started in your life. Do you know that. Albert Einstein and Thomas Edison, one of the greatest inventors, Thomas Edison, Einstein, one of the greatest physicists. They were considered as just useless and hopeless students at school. In fact, their teachers told them, why don't you just leave school? Because you will never make it. But they knew who they were. They might not have excelled in that area, but their time came. And you have to know that your time too will come. You might not do well at school today. You you might feel that you are not as clever as other people in academics. But who knows what God has in store for you? Who knows the giftings that God has placed in you before the foundations of the world? I'm of the opinion that when God places a human being in the earth that God gives him the necessary resources so that that person might be successful, so that that person might succeed in his own unique way. The problem that we have, saints, is that we try to compare ourselves with too many other people, and then we forget about the preciousness that's on the inside of us. Not all of us are singers. Not all of us are inventors. Not all of us are preachers. But all of us are someone great. There's greatness locked up and stored up in every person. It doesn't matter if that person is a sinner, a non believer. It doesn't matter if that person is in prison or comes out of prison. God has placed something great on the inside of them. Amen? Amen? Do you know that one of the greatest presidents of the United States, Abraham Lincoln, failed eight times at his. Pursued for the presidency. Eight times he failed. But one of his strongest mottos in life was that I must prepare lest my time will come. Your time will not come if you are not in prepared mode. Saints, we must always be in prepared mode. We must be ever learning, ever reading, ever in preparation mode. Because when that moment comes and they say, we need someone with this skill, then you must put up your hand and say, here I am. I am ready. The scripture says here about Joseph that until the time his word came, he held on to the prophetic word. He held on to his dreams. He held on to what God showed him. And until the time came, the word of the Lord tested him. So before the time came, there were tests, examinations, there were trials. You become sick, you become frustrated, you have no money in your pocket, you cannot pay your bills, you are being tried, your character is being tested. You see saints, God will only promote those whose character is that of gold, whose character has gone through the fire. God does not care about your charisma. God does not care about your gift, but he cares about your character. Too many people places the gift before the character. And they mess up everything, but the character must come first. Today we are speaking about the test of your character. And, And we are not talking about you as an individual. I'm not talking specifically about you, Clint, about you, Leon. But this word will speak to you as though I am talking to you. Amen. The reason is because there are too many familiarities in this word. There are too many commonalities that people go through. Where they fail when their characters are being tested. Amen. What about the most famous, one of the most famous uh, people in the world, Colonel Sanders. Who of you know, knows Colonel Sanders? He was not from the military. He's the guy from KFC. Up until 65 years of age, this guy was a nobody. 65 years. He was bankrupt. He only lived from a pension. But then at 65, he said, there's something I can do. And he started to... To grill his chicken whatever way he did. And he went from house to house selling the chicken he made. And before you know it, at the age of 88, he became a multi-millionaire. And today, his name, although he's dead, his name is still alive. There's a man that had a dream. There's a man that did not give up. I want to encourage you saints, don't give up. Don't ring the bell and say, I quit. I have had enough of this. No, you are just in the the testing of your character. That's just an examination of who you truly are. And God will not subject you to something that you are not able to handle. Everything that comes your way, you must know that I can handle it. Yes, you might cry in the night. Yes, you might feel that everyone has forsaken me. Yes, you might feel that there's no way out. You cannot see the light at the end of the tunnel. You cannot see how you will get through tomorrow. But know, saints of God, that you are able to handle everything that comes your way. You are then still here today. It means that you have handled all the mess that happened yesterday and the days before. You are still here and some of you have makeup on. (laughs) Hallelujah. So God gives. Extraordinary gifts and graces. To extraordinary people. Some of you, you might not have discovered who you truly are. Or what you can truly do. Some of you are, are are magnets for money. Some of you have the capacity to be multi-million rand and dollar millionaires and people and billionaires. You have that capacity on the inside of you. It is just that your vision is a bit dumb right now. But as soon as you can work on your eyesight, As soon as you can work on how you hear things, you will be able to see who you are. Once you are determined to leave this earth, not as a pauper, not as a nobody, but as a legend, things will start to come together in your life. Angels will uh, automatically come to your aid and they will start ministering unto you. Some of us must take the risk. But you have to know that you have got a great gift in you. You have to know that you are not ordinary. No, you must tell people, I'm not just an ordinary person. I'm not just an average person. But I am the above average. There's greatness locked up in me. And I will not die in the small place. I will not die in a place of insignificance. It might require that you... Study a little bit. It might require that you get a degree. It might require that you practice a bit longer. It might require that you stay in the gym a bit longer. While the others leave, you stay. These things will be required because your character is being tested. Why does God test the character of people? It is because God wants to promote them. God wants to say, well done, you good and faithful servant. You were faithful with the little. Come, let me make you ruler over much. This is the intention of God in testing you. But the testing of God is not to break you. The testing of God upon your life is to promote you. God wants to test you, to promote you, to exalt you. God wants to test you, to endorse you. Don't run away from tests, saints of the Lord. It's only people that are unprepared that hates the test. And you know what I'm talking about? You've been at school. You've seen the clever girls. And they couldn't wait for 9 o'clock so that they can write that three-hour exam. But you, you prayed that something would happen. That a bird would fall out of the sky. An airplane would crash so that you don't have to write the test. You prayed that the teacher would faint or something that you don't have to write the test. It is because you were unprepared. Abraham Lincoln said, I must prepare lest my time will come. We must continually be in preparation mode, saints. Test will be hard. Test will be difficult if we are not prepared. Joseph went from the pit to the prison to the palace. The pit speaks of his adversity. The prison was the place of his temptation because of Potiphar's wife. And the palace was the place of his power. This morning we are speaking about the test of your character. And we are exploring these three avenues. The pit, the prison, and the palace. Adversity, temptation, and power. Hallelujah. A test speaks about an investigation. Now, someone that is in forensics, if there was a crime scene, they will comb the whole scene because they want to gather as much as possible information that will help them to the successful conviction of the criminal. And so it is when you are being tested. Every little detail in your life Will come under the magnifying glass. You cannot say only test this side. Lord only examine this side of my life. Lord just see how I go to church. I go to church every Sunday. I give tithes and offerings. Lord just test this side. But no God will test and examine every little detail in your life. Saints you know how the word of the Lord is. Once the word is preached it's like that week tomorrow. Tomorrow. The word comes to test you. Comes in areas that you don't want him to come. And they come and they bring the magnifying glass. To magnify things that you hid. To magnify things that you'd rather just keep secret. But you have to know today. That when things like that happen in your life. When people turn against you. And normally this is what actually happens. When God comes to test your character there are people around you and it's like people now talk about you and it's like uh, you don't know where to put your hands on certain things you don't know what's happening hallelujah Amen. today people want quick things people want easy things they don't want to go through the process the process of life if you play lotto you are part of those people You are part of the people that wants quick things. And I'm serious. If you play the lottery, you have no trust that the Lord will make a way for you. If you play the lottery, you don't think that there's greatness enough in you to make it big. And you want to take the shortcut. I am very serious about this. I know people are laughing because they want to see what kind of numbers and scriptures I quote. And take the numbers of the scriptures so that they can go and play today. No, people are too afraid to endure. People are too afraid to stay the process. You can say hallelujah and praise the Lord. But God, when he comes to examine you, every detail in your life will be examined. You say, Lord, but I give, give into the church. I pay my tithes. and Why don't I have a financial breakthrough? Maybe it's because you play the lotto. Maybe it's because you have another, you have an alternative plan. You have not placed your whole trust. You have not placed your whole hope in the Lord. It's not that He does not want to bless you, it's that you are blocking the blessings. Hallelujah. I say we are living in a microwave generation because a microwave can cook something very quickly. We want quick promotions. We want quick things. We don't want pain. And, and we don't know that the pains in life are so necessary. So that we can appreciate the pleasures in life more. But if you don't go through the pains in life, you won't appreciate the pleasures in life. If you have not worked for a pleasure in your life, I'm just going to call it that. When it's there, it, it's going to be easy for you to give away. Say for instance, you... You get a 24 karat gold ring. You did not pay for it. You did not work for it. Tomorrow if someone says to you, "Uh, look at that beautiful ring. I I would want a ring like that. Because there was no labor and pain and sweat in it. You just take it off and just give it to someone. But because all of these other things are attached to that thing. It will be difficult for you to let it go. You appreciate it more. That is why when people give free concerts, people don't go. Isn't it? People want to pay. Subconsciously, they want to pay something because they feel that when I pay for it, there is now value to the thing. But something that comes free, there's no value to it. You know, they say that the gospel is free. Where have you seen that? The gospel is not free. When you come into the things of the Lord, you must give your very life. It is no longer I that love, but Christ that loves in me. The gospel will cost you everything. It's not free in that sense. But freely you receive, yes. But when you walk this road, and all the believers know about this, there is a price to pay. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Trials are an examination of your character. These examinations are connected to your endurance. They are connected to your durability and fortitude. You know what endurance is. Your endurance is the ability not to give up in the face of tremendous danger. They say about a pit bull dog that a pit bull dog will endure. Although he knows that he will die, he will not give up. And they call that doggedness. You don't give up. You can see I'm going to die, but I'm going to fight till I die. It is like there's an honor in me that I will throw the last punch. And if I die, I will still think that I've won the battle. We need people like this. We need people that will endure in the face of danger. In the face of embarrassment, in the face of being disciplined, when you think you are being belittled, that you will stay, you will endure. I've said the other day that I spoke to this man who spoke about people in their church. And he said that there were some families in his church that were there for 30 years. I said, gone are those days. People don't stay in church that long anymore. People are just in church two years, one years. The the moment they are offended, they are gone. Two years, three years in that church, they are gone. There is no endurance in the believers anymore. Amen. David said, Lord, you have enlarged me when I was in distress. Psalm 4 verse 1. We ask the Lord for blessing us, to relieve us. To increase us. I want a bigger house. A better car. But we don't realize that all of these things comes with distress. All of these enlargements comes with difficulties. This increase during your distress. Is how God now comes to refine your character. Saints remember with God it is about your character. You cannot impress God. With anything else about you, how you look, what you drive, your success in life, you cannot impress God with those things. But your character before the Lord is like gold. Look at my servant Job, there is no one like him, not because of his wealth. In fact, God said to Satan, You can take his wealth, even his family. But the character in the man will remain gold. Amen? First Corinthians 11 verse 28 says, Let a man examine himself. 2 Corinthians 13 verse 5 says, Examine yourselves whether you are in the faith. Sometimes we need to check, am I praying enough? Am I really in this thing? Am I really a follower of Jesus Christ or am I a follower of the church? Do I have a relationship with the Lord, a personal relationship? Do I talk to the Lord? Do I meditate on the good things of the Lord? Let a man examine himself, whether they are in the faith. James 1 verse 2 to 4. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles comes your way, Consider it an opportunity for great joy. When what comes? Trouble. We are speaking about adversity. Point number one. When adversity comes your way. Consider it an opportunity for what? Great joy. Are you listening to me? Normally we react the other way. We sulk. We are depressed. We are disappointed. When adversity comes. But. The way of the kingdom is different. Consider it an opportunity for what? For joy. Great joy. Why should there be great joy? Because at the end of this thing, I am going to be promoted. I am going to be endorsed by the Lord. The Lord is going to say, Well done, good and faithful servant. The Lord is going to endorse me and say, Behold my son, my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. It means that God has a plan with you. It means that God has not forgotten about you. It means that God is now going to enlarge you, to increase you, to prosper you. When adversity comes, it is an opportunity for great joy. This Christian walk is not just roses. It's not just ice cream and chocolates. It's not just cream soda and popcorn. This Christian walk is a walk of endurance. A walk of durability. God requires that during your adversity, that you are durable. That you don't just break down. I watched a, a small documentary about this soccer player. A guy that plays for Liverpool from Africa. And there's this something about Africans. They are durable. They say for seven years... This guy never had a break from soccer. But he never had an injury that kept him out of the game for a prolonged period of time. He's playing at the top level. The the man that spoke about him, one word that I can say about this man is he is durable. He can take the knocks of life. He can take the rigors of this game. And without breaking down, What about you, saints of God? Can you take the knocks? Can you take the rigors? Can you take the offenses? Can you take the the jealousies, the gossips, the schisms without breaking down, without saying time out? God wants people that are durable. People that can endure. Too many people say, I need time out. There are people today that said, I just had enough church, time out for me. And they are staying at, wo- at home today. No, God is testing your character. And the more you fail, the more you delay the process, the longer it will take for your promotion, for your endorsement, for your blessing. Hallelujah. You know, God, God there's no respect of time. God has no... Is no respect of person. And God will wait for you, even if He will wait for you 80 years. 80 years until you have decided, no, I'm going to stay. No, I'm going to endure. I'm not going to fall down. God will wait for you. God will wait for you, even if you never come into the purpose that He has created for you. Even if you never realize your gifts. He will not come and appear before you one night and say, "Come, no wake up now. No, he will not do that. Because God is a God of principle. Amen? Amen? I always say that when you die, the greatest dread of death will not be the dread and fear of the unknown. It will be because you have not fulfilled your purpose. It will be because you don't know who you are. It will be because you have walked and wandered aimlessly in this life without recognizing the preciousness that God has placed on the inside of you. That will be the worst death that a man can die. It might be one minute, one moment. And you've heard the testimonies of people that has died and been revived. They say their life comes before their eyes. And they could see everything in a moment. That moment could be hell to you. And so I'm challenging you and provoking you to come up higher. So your character can come out as gold on the other side. Amen. You know, there's a story that I shared about Navy SEALs. To become a Navy SEAL one of the most elite combat units on the face of the world. To become a Navy SEAL, the first week of your application, you have to endure the most hostile environments known to men. You have to endure cold, hunger, hardship, little sleep. You only sleep like two hours a day. You are in waters, in drownings, continually being persecuted by your superiors, by the generals and the men that they have placed over you. They hurl insults at you. They want you to quit. And it said of these Navy SEALs, it is a test of their character. And to character is attached endurance and durability. Amen and you know all the time when you go through this hunger, through this subjection of humility they keep on showing you they dangling a they they are dangling a, a a bell before you they say if you can only ring this bell there's a warm shower waiting for you they say there's a warm meal home cooked There's a nice, soft bed waiting for you. They entice and tempt you to give up. It is the same with life, isn't it? Sometimes the devil will come and entice you to give up. Man, just give up. Just leave these people and go. Just leave this God of you and go back into the world. And do the same old, same old that you do every week. Someone tells me about how when her brother meets with his friends, It has been 30 years now and they are still sharing the same old jokes every week. And they are still laughing at the same old jokes every week. There is no progress in the world. There there is no forward movement outside of the things of the Lord. You come together, yes, you have new clothes on, but inwardly you are stagnant. You can't even read the newspapers to get a new joke. You share the old jokes over and over again. Round and round in circles you go. Even sing that song. Round in circles. Round in circles. They say of these Navy SEALs that 75 of the young men that applies to become the elite of the elite. 75% does not make it. 75% quit. And I'm thinking about, what about the church, Lord? What is the percentage of the church? How many people quit in the church? And sometimes parents can be the reason why their children quit. Because parents does not show the example to the kids. The child will begin to quit. The the child becomes too familiar with church. And they see if the parent stays at home for no apparent reason, I can stay at home. And it's all just a setup, saints. You have to hear me very carefully. It's all just a setup. And you can see there, there are people that started out like that. They came and then they drew away systematically, systematically. It is now normal for them not to come to church for a month, for two months, for three months. And then when you see them after three months, hi, how are you doing? We haven't seen you in so long. Offended. (laughs) Why do you have to ask me that question? Huh? All just a, a plan of the enemy. And you know what I'm talking about, isn't it? And then you don't see them anymore. But I just asked how you are doing. Don't be part of the 75 percenters. Don't be part of the people that quit, saints. Don't be part of those that are not counted in life. Don't be part of the names that will be forgotten, that will just disappear in oblivion. Don't be part of those people that when they die we just talk about them for a week but we forget about them. Earlier in this uh, message I mentioned names of people that died a hundred years ago more. But it's like they still live. We speak about David as though he's still alive. As the Apostle Paul as though he sits in one of the chairs. We speak about Joseph as one that lives in our own homes. About Einstein. About all these great composers and inventors. As though they are alive. Your blood must speak although you are dead. Of Abel it was said his blood still speaks. God came to Cain and he said, what is this that I hear? The blood of your brother cries out from the ground. Be compelling saints of God. Be counted. Be someone of note. Be a noteworthy person. You might not have all the luxuries and all the the great wealth in this world, but make an impact where God has placed you. Hallelujah. Don't quit because of just temporary relief. That's easy. That's the easy way. Don't go for the temporary stuff, saints of God. But stay that course. Be that pit bull that hangs on in the face of total danger. Today we are living in a culture of quitting. Children quit at sport because they have lost the game. I don't want to play soccer anymore. They beat us 6-0. I can't take the embarrassment. Children don't study anymore. Children just quit for any and for no reason. It's because the home has become too tolerant to everything. We don't discipline our kids anymore. We don't withheld certain pleasures from them. It's because life has gotten too easy. But not here, isn't it saints, not here in Kingdom Nexus. If the TV must go off, the TV must be off. If the phone must be taken away, the phone will be taken away. Because there are certain chores and certain requirements. You are going through the process. Hallelujah. People don't finish what they started. We are in a culture of quitting. And I'm talking to you today as an individual. What have you started but you have not finished? You've not seen the thing through. You know, these people that quit, they normally are the best people to give you advice on how not to quit. These are the people that has problems with relationships. They are the best people to tell you how you must handle your relationship. People quit church when they are disciplined. They are offended when they don't have their way. They are like a spoiled kid that wants his ball back. If he can't have it his way. I have seen adults like that. He comes with his ball. We play soccer. And this team in this church, we've played against them. We beat them. He says, give my ball. It's my ball. You don't come and play with us anymore. He said, no, we can play against many other teams. No, there are people like that in life as well. They don't just want the ball. They want to have it their way. Hallelujah. The fact of the matter is, saints, that we must endure our own hell week. Whether your hell week is an actual week, a day, you might face hell tomorrow. But there is a requirement that you endure it. That you go through it. Yea, though I go, what? Through the valley. Through it. Not, yea, though when I'm in the valley, God comes to deliver me. No, God wants you to go through the valley of the shadow of death. And I will fear no evil. Amen? Your hell week might be the next six months. The next year. Your hell week might be the next three, four years. But you must endure it. Once you have just hunker down, settle yourself and say, here's the thing, I'm going to face it, I'm going to go through it, God will give you the necessary grace to handle it, to go through it, to endure it. But when you keep running away, keep on being depressed and complaining, then that thing is going to beat you down. The key is this, if we endure our hardships, the, the key to enduring it is all connected to our attitude. Count it all what joy. joy speaks about your attitude in that place. You know sometimes bad things happen and people immediately say bad things. You just missed an opportunity there. When trouble comes, the stress comes. You keep on complaining, and God killed the. Israelites in the wilderness whom he delivered out of Egypt, but he could not handle their complaining. God can handle everything, but the complaints of people whom he has blessed, whom he has shown his mighty arm, whom he has shown miracles and signs and wonders. If they keep on complaining, you are infuriating the Lord. Do you know that God can get angry? Anger lasts but for a moment, the Bible says. Hallelujah. The Apostle Paul writes So, your attitude and your vision is the key to overcoming or to going through your process and to make it more bearable. We're speaking about adversity. Adversity comes to test your character. And you know, when we speak about adversity, there's all kinds, there's many kinds each of us has our own form of adversity. Whether you're young or whether you're old, these things will come because God wants to bring you out as gold on the other side. Are we still together? Yes. Amen. Praise the Praise the let That's it. Amen. So, There are three things that will help you in your process, in your adversity. One is your attitude. Number two is your vision. And number three is what you know. What you know is the fact that you will not be subjected to this kind of adversity forever. In fact, you must tell your adversity, your adversaries, whether they v- be visible or invisible, you have an expiry date. Huh? Whatever problem you face in life, someone go stand there in front of the mirror, Kamala. You have an expiry date. Go and tell your problem. Your day is coming. You won't be long here in my life. You see the door? There's the exit. It's what you know. It's what you know. And you tell your problem, I know this. Without a shadow of a doubt, you must go. Amen? Amen. Your attitude, your vision, and what you know helps you in the time of adversity. There's a lot of things that you know. You don't just know that there's an expiry date. You know that there is a God. You know that greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. You know that you are strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. You know things. Amen? Amen. Sometimes you must just tell people, I just want to tell you something, guys. I know things. (laughs) And then just leave them there. You'll see how confused they get, Rian. I know things. Hey, they'll start making appointments with you. Hey, can we just talk? They'll just start uh, talking about things they did wrong. But then you just keep your posture. Say, I know more things. (laughs) Before you know it, they'll say, how much can I give you? You don't know anything in their life, but you know everything about your life. I know things. Hallelujah. Your attitude, your vision, and what you know will keep and sustain you in the day of adversity, in the day of trial. Because every one of us saints will face our own day of trial. The day of adversity is not a 24-hour day. It is a period. It it could be a 24-hour day. It could be five minutes. It could be that moment when Something bad happens. And it's just five minutes. But at that moment, remember these things. Your attitude. Remember your vision. Your vision speaks about how you don't see things as temporal. The Bible speaks of Jesus. The joy that was set before him. He what? Endured the cross. He saw beyond the cross. This is what I speak about when I say Your vision. Don't look at what's happening now. Don't look at the trouble now. But look at the outcome. Look at I'm going to get to the destination. Amen. Amen. The apostle Paul says. Most gladly will I rejoice in infirmities. This does not make sense. I will rejoice in infirmities. That the power of Christ. May rest upon me. Saints, did you hear that? The power of Christ comes through infirmities, through adversities, through hardships, through distresses. That it may rest upon me. Amen. Because the joy of the Lord is our strength. What is the power of Christ? It is the excellence of soul. The Bible says he will keep me in perfect peace because my mind is stayed on him. Because I trust him. The power of Christ brings us to a place where God's grace is sufficient for us. That in weakness, his strength is perfected. The first occurrence of temptation was in the garden. And another profound place of temptation was in the wilderness. In the garden, the serpent came to tempt Eve and Adam. Genesis 2 verse 17 says, listen very carefully. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will not eat. You you know the Bible was written in Hebrew and translated into other languages and then into English. And so during this translation, some of the things were lost. Call it lost in translation. In Hebrew it reads like this. Of the tree of the discernment of function and dysfunction. You will not eat from him. And so for the Hebrew mind, the tree is not an inanimate object or an inanimate eat. In the Hebrew mind, this tree that God commanded them not to eat of was a lively personality. Don't eat of him or don't eat from him. And this means, do not partake or be influenced by his concepts, ideas, by his knowledge. Do not be influenced by the tree's doctrine. So, the doctrine of this tree has a mixture of function and dysfunction. He's got everything in it, but he mixes it amazing that the the tree would be used as a metaphor because the tree has roots and branches and it speaks about how this concepts ideologies is systemic it reaches everything it goes deep into the ground and it touches goes vertical and horizontal every place in your life will be touched If you eat from these concepts, these ideologies, he does not say lies. Hallelujah. The fruit are these ideologies. You've got the tree that is systemic and the fruit is the ideologies. Eve came under the process of deception. Eve was not tempted in a one-time event. Eve kept on going to hear from the tree in the beginning it was foreign to her but because she heard it over and over and over she bought into it she bought into that deception and she she was so far into the deception that she could now become a witness of the deception she could now deceive her husband by the deceptions of another I want to bring this home to you today. It's not just a revelation. Because this is how the enemy of our souls breaks up relationships. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 33. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. That's the NIV. King James says, good morals. You see how morals and values is connected to character. Do not be deceived, the King James Version says. Bad company corrupts good character, good morals. So deception and misleading is the same thing. To mislead you. Jesus warned his disciples many times, be careful that you be not deceived. Listen to this, Proverbs 11 verse 13. A talebearer, bearer, a talebearer bearer is a what? I hear some of you say a skinderer. No, it's, it's a gossiper. A talebearer bearer reveals secrets. But he that is of a faithful spirit, upright in character, conceals a matter. In this week, I've heard something bad about a man of God. It doesn't mean that I must now go and say to everybody, although it is the truth, I will not be part of gossiping. I will not be a talebearer. bearer. Proverbs 18 verse 8 says, The words of a talebearer are as wounds, and they go down into the innermost parts of the belly. So, one that gossips Keeps on spreading wounds. Keeps on opening up wounds in people's lives. And in contemporary language, we call a tailbearer a snitch and a rat. And, and, and really, you know, if you are being compared to a rat, how ugly must you be? A snitch. Some, some people say snitches get stitches. <laughs> there are six things the Lord hates seven are an abomination to him here's two of them a false witness who breathes out lies and one who sows discord among brethren the person who sows discord among brethren becomes like that personality in the garden that brings his own concepts ideas and ideologies He comes with his own fruit and he keeps on saying to those ignorant people in his sphere, in his circle, he keeps on spreading things that are not true. Deceptions. He keeps on misleading those. He becomes a witness of deception. There is a saying that says, never does a man portray his character more vividly. Than when proclaiming the character of another. Never does a man portray his own character. More vividly than when proclaiming the character of another. When you are continually in the fellowships of people that talks about other people. You will become like them. You will eat of that fruit. And you will become their witness. You will just take those deceptions and you will go and share it with someone else. And so that wicked circle of deception will continue in your circle of friends, in your family. Saints, be careful. Be careful what you lend your ear to ear. Be careful when they speak about other people, especially men of God, especially other churches. You just close the door to those relationships and you close your ears to those things. Because people that talks about other men of God, other churches, are opening up themselves to greater damnation. Man, if it is possible, just rebuke them right there. Even if it's true, as believers, we don't share gossip. As believers, we are not tale bearers. So, The serpent did not actually lie to Eve. When you look at the original Hebrew of how the words were said, he said this, God said this, Eve said this, then you see there's actually no lie there. It is just that there is a rearrangement of the truth to suit your agenda. So this is what what actually happened here. God said to Eve, you will surely die. Mot tamut. And it means when you eat of the fruit, eventually you will die. Eve said to the serpent, God said you must die. And these are the words, te mutun. And it means God said you will die immediately. And this is what the serpent said. The serpent took the words of God and the words of Eve. The serpent said, you must not surely die. Lo, mot, temutun. He did not put his own words in there, but he used the words that were said before. At the temptation of Jesus, Satan came and spoke the word to him. You are the son of God. Make these stones to become bread. Throw yourself down the temple because it is written. He will give his angel. He brings the truth, but he distorts it. In English, Satan would have said, you shall not surely die, implying that God lied. You know, this is that lawyer's game. He's not saying God lied, but he uses two truths and mixes it up. To make God out to be a liar. And sometimes we do that. I'm sitting at a table and you are talking about your baby, your new baby. I stand up from the table. I go to the bathroom. You misconstrue that as me being jealous about your baby. And you go and tell everybody, did you see? He stood up when I was talking about something that is a joy to me. Yes, I did stand up. So the question, if it was a lawyer, did you stand up, Mr. Clarsen? Yes, I stood up. And so now the whole thing is being turned to make me look like I'm the bad one. Isn't it? You come into the door. And the moment you come in is the moment that I laugh. And then you must construe my laughter as me mocking you. You say to everybody, you all saw how he laughed. So he's got something against me, he's mocking me. Yes, it's the truth, I laughed. But I did not laugh at you, I laughed at something else. And so there are truths that can be repackaged so that they can bring deception into the ears of the hearers. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Be careful about these people, saints of God. Be careful not to lend your ears to people like that. Some people will say, did you hear pastor preach this morning? He said exactly what I'm going through. So he's actually preaching to me. Why doesn't he just come and tell me face to face? You know how many times I've heard this? You know how many times I have heard this? You must be glad that at least you heard something, man. Your pastor or your manager at work corrects you then you must construe that as he wants to control me. You know, if, if you misinterpret things like that all the time, your character is flawed. And you begin to see correction and discipline as hostility and anger and aggression. And now you begin to fight with your manager. You begin to fight with your pastor, your leader about things that are actually not real. That are not there. Things that you have made up in your own mind. You know. We can say of you that you are cuckoos. (laughs) Because you see things that are not there. The things that you must see. You don't see. Isn't it true that people can. Just endure all kinds of maltreatment. At work. Amongst their friends. Amongst their family. But when. Order and discipline is laid out at church, then, you're, then they get all angry and all kinds of demons manifest. They say, "I will leave. Uh, I won't give a tithe next, week, next month. I no. But you can endure the next day, you're still going to work. They've done all these things, you've signed a warning, but tomorrow you wake up and you go, but not at church. People would rather stay away. Hallelujah. Let me go to the last one. Power. Some people just forget God when they begin to prosper. When they are in need. Man, they are at church every day. They pray every day. They fast and pray. They give sacrificially. Because they want God to bless them. But when God blesses them. You don't see them anymore. They talk to the Lord like this. Father, if you give me a job, I will at least be able to tithe unto you. Oh, most high God, excellent one. But when, it's, when they get their first pay, they go to uh, all these outlets and they forget about God. They place God last. And then they still come and borrow money from you. But they had a job and they had pay. You know why they come to, to borrow money? And I know, okay, some of you, you came to borrow money. But I'm not talking about you. <laughs> you know, and I've told you this, and I've told you this. It is because you don't put God first. The days when you had no money, you always had money. The days when you were not working, you could give me a hundred rent. But now since you are working, you can't even give me a hundred rent. And I must give you money. It is because you don't put God first. I know that's a bit hard to swallow, but it's said in love. Amen? Even even if you don't believe I love you, know that God loves you at least. Alright? Saints, I want to speak to those that are mature. Those that says that they are mature. If you want to come out of your mess, come out of your cycles, where things just go wrong in your finances, put God first. In your finances. I don't want to use Greek and Hebrew to convince you. But you know it. Hallelujah. You have seen many people come. Pastor pray for me for a job. And we've prayed for the people. Man if I could count there's probably 30 people. That never worked. Or that got a promotion. That now got a job. 75% of them rang the bell. After they got the job, they rang the bell and they quit. They did not come back to honor God for what He did for them. And now they are not in a church, but they've got a job. And you must understand how we as pastors feel when we say, hey Lord, Nevertheless, not our world, but your world. Sometimes I feel like praying, don't give them a job. Because they'll watch, they'll be in church, in their, in their lounges, and they'll watch uh, TBN and say that I, I'm in church. Power, power can corrupt you. You know, when we speak about power, we don't speak about sensational things. We're speaking about these things that matter daily in our lives. I want to speak to our young people. The moment you start working and earning a job, put God first in your finances. And I tell you, things will start coming right in your life. Maybe not the next month. Maybe not the month after that. But systematically, remember there's a process with God. It's not a microwave thing. But God will bring you to a place of principle. Amen? When people get a job or promotions, they change their friends. Their character changes. They change their churches. They now want to go sit in a church with bicycle seats. They change their lifestyles. They forget the common man. They become proud. They can now do things that they couldn't do before, but they forget the Lord, they forget to honor the Lord. You don't say, Lord, I honor you, but then it's in your hands to honor the Lord. The, the scripture says, These people worship me with their mouths, but their hearts are far from me. You have to receive this now. Receive it, saints. All of you, you you that are listening to this message on your phone, wherever you are, just receive it and humble yourself under the mighty hand of the Lord. Because the scripture says that God resists the proud. Resist is an active word. It's not He turns His back against you. He actually resists you. Especially when you have used His name to get what you have gotten. But He gives grace to the humble. You want the grace of the Lord. You want the empowerment of God. You want the divine enablement of God by you being faithful to God. To God, not to men. Amen? Amen. There's a saying that says, nearly all men can stand adversity. But if you want to test a man's character, give him power. Power and prosperity will really examine your character. We're talking about the test of character. Get power. Get prosperity. See how your character is being tested. There are people that knows how to deal with power. Not everyone is like my preamble. Not everyone is like that. No, there are people. Power is the excellence of soul. Remember we spoke on that? The excellence of soul. It enables you to do good things to and for others. That's when you are really powerful. Amen? Hallelujah. Let's all stand.